We started four Wednesday nights a month ago now and uh, talking about nine secrets to healthy relationships. I, I was thinking today, you know, when you start breaking down the Scripture in Galatians 5.22 where the Bible said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. We start with that every Wednesday night until we're through with this series, but when you break that down word by word and you talk about each one of the fruit of the Spirit, then you there, there's a lot to, to examine here and a lot that we need to get in our heart. And so tonight we have already studied about love, which is the basics of everything, and we've studied about joy. That was last uh, Wednesday evening. We talked about the joy of the Lord. I got home, and I think it was Michelle McManus, uh, or excuse me, Michelle Dykus, that sent me a, uh, a song on joy, and I thought I told her, I said, I should have had that tonight and just played it because uh, I tell you what, it was a lot of joy, and uh, folks were being blessed of the Holy Ghost. But tonight we're going to talk about peace. Everybody say peace. In 1960, those who predicted the future <clears throat> advantages of technology felt like the biggest challenge to the future of the world would be boredom. Now think about this. They believed that the time-saving technologies that were coming would increase productivity, and they informed a U.S. Senate subcommittee that by 1985, people would work about 22 hours a week and they would only work 27 weeks a year and would retire at the ripe old age of 38. That literally happened in 1960. But boy, when you look at the numbers, it, it'll almost make you laugh out loud because the world has got busier and the days have got shorter and it doesn't matter how much technology we have, we are in a world that is frantically moving way too fast. The average husband and wife unit is currently working 90 to 100 hours a week, and families are taking a heavy toll, not from boredom, but from stresses of life, stresses of life that are leaving people exhausted and causing there to be trouble in our lives. The Bible said it right when David uh, was writing in the Scriptures, and he said, uh, men's days are short and few are few, and they are full of trouble. There are not many days in life, but life is full of trouble. Do you identify tonight? Every time you get over one hump, there's another one. Every time you get past one trial, there's another one. And we are living in that kind of world. So how do you have peace in the midst of this modern life that we're living? How do you find peace? And we're going to talk about peace tonight. And I want to tell you, I believe, I believe the Lord is going to open our eyes to some things in the Scripture. Let's first define peace according to the Scriptures because most people don't define it that way when you start talking about peace. They define peace as just the absence of tension or conflict. Well, that's, that's 
that's not altogether what peace is. That could be a part of peace, but people in the world are, are sometimes they are uh, startled, especially in the, in the East country where Jews greet one another with shalom. I know I've been there, shalom, which means peace. And, and then they go right on fighting. So it's not just the absence of tension or conflict in your life. It's, it's, it's like the uh, uh, one writer said it's the, uh, they were at a conference and, and asked the participants to greet one another as the New Testament church would, the early church, and say, Maranatha, which means the Lord is coming. And he said he got on the elevator the next morning from the hotel, and there were two little old ladies, and they looked at him, and they couldn't remember Maranatha, and they just in unison said, Marijuana. Well, that's not what we're looking for either. We're looking for the coming of the Lord and we're looking for peace. But the ancient words for peace do not mean the absence or tension uh, of tension or conflict. But, and here's the first note, the first blank in your, on your piece of paper, your study guide there. But it simply means this, the tranquility of order. The tranquility of order. In other words, there, must, there may be chaos all around you. There may be wars and rumors of wars. And a person may be going through all kind of traumatic things in their life. But a person that has the Holy Ghost, they are at peace because there is order in their life. The tranquility of order is this that the world may be reeling and rocking and, and upset and trouble. But guess what? There is peace in the midst of the storm with a real child of God. Can you say amen? Here's what Jesus said in John 16, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. Jesus said that. He said, I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Does anybody know that's right? But he said this, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Can you understand and would you agree with me tonight that troubles and trials and everyday life and modern living is temporary? Don't get too caught up in the temporary. Get caught up in the permanent. That which is going to be here when the world's all over with. There's peace in the midst of the storm. That's why Jesus said, I've given you peace. You ought to have peace in this world. There's tribulation and there's problems and there's situation. But he said, don't fret. Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. There are actually, and I want to, I want to take you to this tonight, three applications of peace in every child of God, every believer's life. Three applications of peace. I think you'll find that on your, on your study sheet. Here's, here's the first one, peace with God. Peace with God. And that next blank is simply this. Disobedience always brings a feeling of disorder to your life. Disobedience. Peace with God. And we, we're in the church, and we're all children of God, and, and probably everyone in this building has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
And you know what it's like to be at peace with God, to have a good conscience, to wake up in the morning knowing that you're at peace with God. It's a good feeling to know you're at peace with God. Will you say amen? It's a salvational thing. The Bible said in Romans 5 and 1, therefore, being justified by faith. That's what happened when we came to the Lord. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you are disobedient to the word of God, you lose peace with God. You don't feel like you can you can be a child of God because you've been disobedient to him. And you don't feel worthy of God. That's that's because the disobedience always brings a feeling of disorder to your life. You wake up and you say, man, I know I shouldn't have done that. And you know what? Sometimes it's hard to repent and sometimes it's hard to get it all straightened out. But Paul said we're justified by faith. We have peace with God. That's what happens when we're justified by faith. So though that's one application of peace in a believer's life. Here's another one. The next blank there is peace of God. Everybody say that with me, peace of God. And the next blank there is simply this. Difficulties can bring a feeling of disorder to your life if you look at them with the wrong perspective. Difficulties, difficulties can bring a feeling of disorder in your life. If you look at them, if you leave God out of the equation, if you say, how am I going to do this? There's a time that you can't say, how am I going to do this? There's a time that you have to say, God, I believe you're going to do this. Can you say amen? So, so difficulties can bring a feeling of disorder to your life. If you look at them with the wrong perspective, looking in the eyes of humanity rather than looking through the eyes of God. Because here's the way you have to look at the trial in your life. Nothing's impossible with God. Nothing that God can't overcome in my life. Nothing that is too big for God to give me victory over in my life. That's why Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And this is what he said after that. Watch this. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus, or through Christ Jesus. Now, let's talk about that for just a minute. The peace of God that passes all understanding. The world don't understand people of God when the world is in trouble and they're frantic and they're, 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 they're just going out of their mind and don't understand what's happening. The people of God are calm, cool, and collected because it's like the little song we used to sing. He's got the whole world in his hands. Let him fight in the Middle East. He's got the whole wide world. Let China come against the United States. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. Come on now. Let the nations of the earth come together and be at one another in great adversity. He's got the whole world. Because when you understand how big God is, you can have peace that passes understanding. That's the kind of peace I want. They're wondering why I'm smiling while everybody else is crying. Amen? Come on, children of God. Are times going to get better? You want me to be a calamity howler? No, they're not. 
Is times going to be any better for the church? The church is in its greatest hour because we're the only light the world has. Listen to me. We have peace that passes the understanding of the world. They don't understand why we live the way we live and why we smile through the pain because in the sweet by and by, it's not about Washington. It's not about Monroe. It's not about the world. It's about him. And we're going to a place that they didn't build and they can't tear up. Could I tell you it's peace that passes understanding. That's why, that's why you got to get this right here down in your heart because it'll give you peace. Look, I just know, I, are things going to get better in this world? I'm going to tell you what I believe. No, they're not. Economy probably not going to get no better. Wars and rumors of war, not going to get any better. Pandemics, not going to get any better. Fighting on every hand, not going to get any better. But I'll tell you what is going to get better. When we hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, is there anybody that has the peace of knowing that everything's in the hands of God and it's all okay? Hallelujah. This kind of peace is a psychological order. It's getting it right here. You know what the devil messes with? How many times have I preached this? You know where he starts? Between your ears, between my ears. Have you ever laid down in the bed at night and everything just be wonderful and all of a sudden the devil start putting stupid thoughts in your mind? Anybody like that beside me? Am I the only one that that happens to? Well, what if? You know, he always wants to question. Well, what if? Well, what if this? And what if that? And, and what if you don't do that? And what if you did do that? And you go to calculating it out in your human thinking, and the first thing you know, you can't sleep. You're pacing the floor. You're laying there looking at the ceiling. But I tell you what you do when you understand the Word of God and let your requests be made known to God and you're careful for nothing. And in everything, there's prayer and supplication. And the peace of God will come upon you, which passeth all understanding. When you start putting it that way, the psychological things go away. And the real truth is that God steps into your heart and to your mind. And he just, it's like, it's, look, I got a mental picture today. I really did of what I was studying. You remember those old boys that were on the boat, his disciples? That, that the storm came up. Remember that? You know what he did? He just stepped to the bow of the boat and he said three words. What did he say? Peace, be still. Do you know God can do that in our lives? Do you know that's all he has to do to settle things down for you? Boy, I just feel like I'm right on target right here. When we get to when we get to riding the waves and the storm and the wind and, and we're thinking, oh, God, are we going to make it out of this? This is the worst one I've ever been in. Wasn't but a, a few weeks ago till, and I've been in these kind of storms, but Jeff and Bryce were in Darbone and, uh, and a storm came up. And, and, and it, it was pretty rough. Sunk a couple of boats. And, and, and they, they got out of there. Well, let me just tell you about Bryce. It can thunder 20 miles away right now. And he's heading for the shore. Because he found out what a storm was. Jeff will tell you, I'm telling you the truth. He ain't going if there's a cloud. 
The facts are when you go through them, then you understand how bad they can be. But it just takes the Lord to step on the bow of your boat. I'm talking about your mind, your heart, your experience with God, just to step out there and say, peace be still. Peace, oh, I love that. Just peace be still. Just three words is all he said. And guess what? The waters, they just slicked off, and the winds, they stopped blowing, and the clouds moved right on away, and everything became calm because he who understands us, we need not only the peace with God and salvation, we need the peace of God to remove the difficulties out of our life. Amen? Here's another application of peace in a believer's life, and I love this one. This is going to hit us all. Peace on earth. It's Write that down on your paper. Peace on earth. And the next blank would simply be this. Differences with others can bring a feeling of disorder to your life if you look at them with the wrong perspective. Amen? Luke 2.24 said, And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said of the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, to offer the sacrifice unto the Lord, which that the, the law said this is what you need to do. But, but, but if, you, if you read all of that, I won't take time. This kind of peace that I'm talking about can, can get fixed in your life by offering a sacrifice unto God. Not a living sacrifice as it was in the Old Testament, but a sacrifice of, of forgiveness and a sacrifice of love and a sacrifice of peace toward fellow man. This kind of peace is, is a sense, we, we're talking about nine secrets to healthy relationships. So we're talking about relationship right here. Peace on earth, is, it, it's, it, it's made after you've had differences with somebody else. And since relationships are where we're at and what we're talking and what we live out every day in our everyday lives, let's talk about what a person feels with the Holy Ghost or God's Spirit acts like. Proverbs 29 and 8 said this, Scornful men bring a city into a snare, but wise men turn away wrath. Now just let that sink in. Scornful men bring a city into a snare, but wise men turn away wrath. Listen to what 5 and 9 of Matthew said. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed, that's in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, because peace is not the absence of tension or conflict. But rather, it's the tranquility of order. So you will never achieve peace, not real peace, on a human level until you get it on a godly and spiritual level. Here's, here's you, can't, you can't achieve peace by avoiding the problem. Unresolved conflict is like termites in your relationship. Now listen to me. Does anybody here know how termites work? It starts small and then they just keep growing and eating and first thing you know, you got a mess. They can destroy a home. But, but 
unresolved conflict is like termites in a relationship. It eventually will bring the whole house down. And, and pretending the problem doesn't exist, it's not peacemaking, that's cowardice. Look it right in the eye and confront your situation and don't avoid the problem because it ain't going away by itself. Here's something else. You will never achieve peace by appeasing the problem. God doesn't expect you to be a doormat. Jesus never backed off from a legitimate issue. He stood his ground. And peace at any price is not legitimate. It's not legitimate peace. You can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can't appease everybody. When I swallow my feelings all the time, I want to tell you, my stomach hurts. Sometimes you can't swallow your feeling. You can't appease the problem and get peace. You can't avoid the problem and get peace. Y'all don't got quiet on me now. But if you want peace on earth, you've got to confront the problem. I've, I've had to do that many times. I, matter of fact, I was sitting there thinking in my office today, some time ago, I texted somebody and I said, I want you to know what the real problem is and I would love to talk with you. And their answer was, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I'll get back with you. And my phone ain't rang yet. Because they didn't really want to talk to me about it. They didn't really want to talk about the real issue. I, I, I read somewhere, and I think it's in our notes, and I'll get to it in a minute, but the Bible talked about uh, as much as is possible, follow peace. I want you to look at your neighbor today and say, don't be impossible. <laughs> now, if you did that to your wife, I, I, I'll, don't call me tonight when y'all get home and have conflict. Just say, the preacher said do it, and I did it. Amen. How to be a peacemaker. Here's, here's some blanks you need to fill in. Plan a peace conference. Plan a peace conference. How many of you ever heard of peace conferences? Presidents going to a peace conference. Presidents in this country at a peace conference. Well, the reason most of those peace conferences don't work out is because the same reason our relationships sometimes don't work out. Someone has to be willing to make the first move. When you call a peace conference, somebody's got to be willing to make a move. Amen? Matthew said this. This is going to get down to where we live now, Okay. Therefore, Matthew 5, 23, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way. First, everybody say first, first be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. First thing you got to do is get it straightened out with whoever you got conflict with. Amen? And I want you to notice something. I've, I've, I've read this I don't know how many times, thousands perhaps. But 
But it does not say if you go to bring your gift to the altar and you remember that you have all against your brother. That's not what it says. It said you remember that your brother have all against you. You, you may be clean as a whistle and say, well, I don't have anything against him. But if you remember that your brother have all against you, the Bible said, leave your gift there. Get up and go be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Amen? So if you're a Christian, you ought to always take the initiative in seeking peace. Whether you are, are the one that has been offended or you are the offender. Why? Because the longer you wait to resolve that relationship, it doesn't matter if it's with your wife or your husband or your friend or your neighbor or your cousin or your uncle, the longer you wait, the bigger it gets. Do you not know that every one of us have great ability to carry grudges? I do. Does anybody else have that? I don't know if y'all know that or this or not, but this is good stuff I'm giving you right now. And if we'll live by this and get peace in our life God's way, here's, here's what we're spelling peace right now. Here's what the E stands for. Empathize with their feelings. Watch this. The second reason most world conferences don't get anywhere and don't work is that we don't look at it from the other guy's perspective. It's the same in relationships. You have to empathize with where they are. Everybody don't see the same way. Everybody don't feel the same way. So we have to empathize. That's why Paul Peter said, finally, brethren, or finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. That's what you have to do. You have to look. You have to empathize with that person and their feelings because they may be hurt over something that you would never get hurt over. There's some folks that are fragile. Well, I'm doing good here now. When someone's hurting you, you have to remember this. You, re you, you ready? When somebody's hurting you, remember this. Hurt people hurt people. Where's my wife at? She'd be proud of me. Hurt people hurt people. So you got to look beyond their hurt that, that you're receiving and you got to ask, I wonder what's hurting them causing them to want to hurt me because hurt people hurt people. First thing you got to do is listen. Do you know why God gave you one mouth and two ears? He wants you to listen twice as much as you talk. Amen? Listening, you know what it shows? When you're in a relationship with anybody, you could be your friend. Listening, what does it show? It shows you care. I, I, I have people come to talk to me, and, and, and for the first however long, a lot of times I don't say a word, but uh-huh, oh, uh-huh, yeah. I don't have no advice. Just, I'm just there. I'm a sounding board. Matter of fact, most of the time, I don't even have to give them any, any kind of uh, advice. They've just talked themselves right into where they need to be with just a little, just a little confession and saying, "Well, this is what I've done. This is what they've done. And this is where I'm at." Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Listening. 
Just listen. Because your relationship shows them that you care. Do you know? Do you know the key to intimacy is conflict? Oh, have y'all ever heard that song? I'm going to get carnal here. Have y'all ever heard that song? The best part of making a... Somebody from my generation right back there. The best part of making up or breaking up is when I'm making up with you. Don't you look at me like that. You know I'm telling the truth. We're grown in here. The key to intimacy is conflict. If you never have any conflict and you're always just on the surface level, when you deal with conflict in a positive way and you resolve it, 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 it creates greater understanding and brings you closer and makes you stronger and the next conflict won't be so bad. Hello? Here's the, here's the A in peace. You ready? This is on your paper. Attack the problem, not the person. Attack the problem, not the person. Proverbs 10 and 10 said, He that winketh with the eye causeth sorrow, but a pratting fool shall fall. Mm. Ephesians said, that Speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Attack the problem, not the person. Anytime there's ongoing conflict, somebody's hiding something, the truth will always set you free. You know what it is when you get in an argument or a conflict with somebody? There's your side, and there's their side, and then there's the truth. Oh, don't look at me like that. My wife tells me every once in a while, you don't, you, you, you don't think you're ever wrong. I said, I, I do. I remember one time I was wrong, and it was when I thought I was wrong, but I was really right. Amen. You're never persuasive when you are abrasive. You don't get your point across by being cross. You've got to stop fixing the blame in order to start fixing the problem. So you've got to, you've got to attack not the, 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 the problem and not the person. You all know what I'm talking about. If you've been married over six months or six weeks or probably six days, I tell you, I tell you, oh, uh, a comedian said it the best <laughs> when he said, when he said, you know, me and my wife, we get into to an argument and we say things and then we run out of stuff to say, so she drags my mama into it. So I drag her mama into it. Oh, no, y'all ain't ever done that, have you? Huh? You know what? You're attacking the person and not the problem. If you're, you're never persuasive when you become abrasive. Oh, if I could just learn all this myself. If I could just practice this for me. Seven rules for fighting fair in a relationship. It's on your paper. Never compare. Never condemn. Never command. Never challenge. Never condescend, 
Never contradict and never confuse. You ought to memorize them because if you do that right there, you'll get through the next little problem in any relationship you have if you'll just attack the problem and not the person. If you follow these, it will give you good direction. Don't compare. Well, they said, you said, that. no, no. Don't condemn. Jesus didn't even condemn. He forgave. Amen. Don't command because nobody wants to be commanded. Well, hallelujah. I bet you, you can read them. You can figure it out. Here's, here's the C in peace. Here it is. Cooperate as much as possible. Write that on your paper. Cooperate as much as possible. Compromise. I want to tell you something. You don't like that word, but compromise is essential in every human relationship in the world. Between you and your wife, you and your husband, you and your mama, you and your daddy, you and your cousin, every situation has to have some compromise to have a good relationship. You try to find areas of common ground and places of common ground where you can be flexible. It don't mean you're spineless. Look, I've seen people that they wasn't going to move. Bless God, this is the way it is, and it's my way or the highway. When it's your way or the highway, guess what? It usually winds up being the highway. Amen? Paul said this in Romans 12, 18. If it be possible, here's my scripture. I want you to say it with me. If it be possible. Come on, everybody say it. If it be possible. Say this next. As much as lieth in you, as hard as you can, as hard as you can try, give it everything you've got, Paul said. Live peaceably with all men. But you know what he said when he said, if it be possible, he left room for the impossible. Because some folks are impossible. Now, I'm just asking you, who of us are impossible? We could be, but we better not be. But you know what? He said, if it be possible. As much as life in you, do everything you can to live peaceably with all men. So we do everything we can. We try every way we can. There's some folks that I don't care what you did. If you gave them a million dollars, they'd say, why didn't you give it to me in quarters? James said this, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, and then it's peaceable. More, I'm going to say this, more marriages die from inflexibility than from any other thing. When people refuse to say, I'm sorry, when they refuse to budge, when they refuse to give in, when they refuse to compromise, the relationship goes sour, and you cannot be that hard. You Look, a, a man by the name of Dr. Paul Tenor, author of this book, To Understand Each Other, said, so-called incompatibility is a myth invented by jurists in order to plead for divorce. 
You can be compatible if you want to be. The problem is a lack of complete frankness and then compromise. Another man said this, a doctor, director of the Institute of Family Relations said this, I don't believe incompatibility exists. Almost any two people are compatible if they really try to be. Your marriage, your partnership, your friendship, your relationship is what you are willing to make it. And it lies in your core. The E, here's another blank, emphasize reconciliation and not resolution. Reconciliation, not resolution. Here's why. Listen to me. Reconciliation means to reestablish the relationship. Resolution means to resolve every issue. And you're just not going to do you can't resolve every issue. Amen. You think you can? Try. You think you've got it resolved? It'll pop back up. Just recon reconciliation means just go establish, reestablish that relationship. I, I, I'm going to read this because it was in my notes, and, and, and I, I saw this, and I thought, I'm just going to read it just like it is. He said, however... You can disagree without being disagreeable. You can have unity in a relationship without having uniformity. You can walk hand in hand in a relationship without seeing eye to eye. You can have reconciliation without having resolution of every difference. I'm helping somebody. You, you're never going to see eye to eye. My wife and I don't see eye to eye. You see, she thinks I ought to pull my shoes off at the door, and I think I ought to be able to wear them in the house. And we ain't never seen eye to eye. Sometimes she wins, sometimes I win. Amen. There's a lot of things that we don't see eye to eye on. But if you, if you will walk hand in hand, you, you don't have to see eye to eye. And if you will just be reconciled, you don't have to have resolution. When two people agree on everything, here's what I got to tell you. If two people agree on everything, one of them is not necessary. There's a thought. You can't agree on everything. When you attempt to be a peacemaker, you're doing the work of God because that's what the Bible said. Blessed are the peacemakers. When you're restoring relationships, if it's your own or somebody else's, you are doing the work of God. So who do you need to reconcile with today? Just think about that. Not, not, not resolution. You, you may never. Look, you ought, you ought, to, you ought to be the pastor. There, there's no two people in this church that think exactly alike. Think about that. There's no two people here that see everything eye to eye. And I figured out a long time ago, it's easier for y'all to please me because I'm one guy than for me to please hundreds. Just a thought. You may not like that, but that's my thought. I can't please everybody. And you know what? I never have pleased everybody. I read, I read about a, a writing that was in the Houston Chronicle right after 9-11, 
And uh, it, it reported that two weeks after that terrorist attack, dismissals in divorce, divorce cases skyrocketed in the family court of law in Harris County. This was in the Houston Chronicle. In numbers that are nearly triple those before 9-11, the tragedy. Clients contemplating divorce and those in the middle of one now say they will try to patch things up. And a state district judge there called Linda Motherall said the trend seems likely a product of the general sense everywhere that people realize this could be it. Our lives may have changed forever, and the things we worried about and looked like small, they now look like small potatoes. And family lawyer Annette Henry said that when somebody files for the divorce, their problems seemed huge and insurmountable. But with a tragedy like 9-11, it puts things in a better perspective. Whatever was driving you crazy no longer seems significant. And that's a true story. So it may not be as bad as you think. Just look for resolution or reconciliation and not resolution. Human beings, listen to me, we are incapable of having tranquility of order within ourselves. It's beyond us. You cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. I'll say it again tonight without the Spirit. Peace, real peace, real peace is the fruit of the Spirit. But real peace is when you get the report that you're dying of an incurable disease and you know that life is not long, but you have peace with God. You have great peace in your heart. My dad was such a, he was such a trooper. He would joke about it. And he'd say, you know, son, dying ain't too bad. It's just such for, a, for such a long time. And then he said one day to me, he said, well, you know, heaven ain't really so bad. That's when you got peace. Really not a bad thing to die. You're just taking a shortcut to glory. But how do you have peace in the midst of the storm? Only with the peacemaker living inside you. Only with Isaiah 9 and 6 called him, and I've I, I've thought about this several times during this day. Isaiah 9 and 6 called him the Prince of Peace. He is our Heavenly Father, but guess what he is? He's the Prince of Peace. He doesn't, here's another scripture for you. God is not the author of confusion. Not in this world, not in this church, not in your personal life. God doesn't, let me tell you, if you're in a place where there's a lot of confusion, God ain't in that. Everybody in this room ought to agree with that. When there's confusion in your home, you need God in your home. When there's confusion in your marriage, you need God in your marriage. When there's confusion in the church, we need God in the church. Because he is not the author of confusion. He doesn't live in confusion. He is the prince of peace. And when he walks in, the storm's got to go. And the waters have to, have to subside. 
and things have to be better. I'm just telling you tonight, do you, here, here's my question. Do you need peace with God? Do you need salvation? Do you need the peace of God for a troubled mind, for difficulties in your life? Do you need peace on earth? Is there people that are troubling you and you got trouble relationships? Because we're talking about nine secrets to healthy relationships, and they all come out of Galatians chapter 5 because this is what God produces in us as the people of God. I got love. Well, then if you got love, you can have peace. You can love anybody because if you got love, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. And you'll love your enemies. And you'll, you'll do good for those that do bad for you. And you'll pray for those that despitefully use you. Because if you got love, and if you got love, guess what? You got joy. Because joy is not happiness. Joy is from now on because it lives in here. And if you got joy, you got peace. You see, the, you see where we are? So we're going to keep studying. We're going to keep talking about the, the secrets to healthy relationships. This is where God wants us. He wants us to love one another, and he wants us to love him. Shall we stand?